Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, July 11th, 2023, the 902nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So I want to get started today with a little conversation about a concept called kayfabe and how we should handle it when we run into circumstances where the kayfabe explanation could make sense, could be valuable in terms of how you see the situation, and could actually be 100% right and exactly what's happening. 
Now, if you're familiar with my show and you listen to any of the other shows on the Badlands Network, on Rumble and elsewhere, then you've probably heard this term kayfabe before. This is how Wikipedia describes kayfabe. In professional wrestling, kayfabe is the portrayal of staged events within the industry as real or true, specifically the portrayal of competition, rivalries, and relationships between participants as being genuine and not staged. The term kayfabe has evolved to also become a code word of sorts for maintaining this reality within the direct or indirect presence of the general public. So if you're familiar with professional wrestling and they've been doing this for decades, I remember this from when I was a kid. They would have characters in professional wrestling. It would be Hulk Hogan or Rowdy Roddy Piper or the Macho Man Randy Savage or Ric Flair. And they would all have storylines and relationships. There were good guys and there were bad guys. And they used to mock each other and taunt each other and talk about people's families and wives. And sometimes there were wrestling girlfriends. It was basically a real life soap opera for men. And to be honest, it kind of is. And any wrestling fan should at least admit that they are watching a soap opera about men's relationships where all the men have huge muscles and fake tans and run around in little tights. And hey, I'm not saying it's gay. I'm really not saying it's gay. I'm just saying it's at least a continuation of the comic book culture. And in that way, it's almost exactly like watching a Marvel movie. But the thing is, Marvel movies are kind of gay. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this is how the world is. Now, everybody knows that these wrestling characters are just characters, but they're also characters that these men are always playing in public. They develop a character out of themselves, and that character is what's on display in public all the time. And because they always present that way, it skews the boundaries between what is really them and what is them in their character. And the best ones make those things seem really close so that it does seem very real. And the drama written into the wrestling aspect, into the television aspect, the soap opera aspect of it, if the man is playing the character well, seems to be the man's real existence. And so you develop some sort of emotional bond with that character that you wouldn't necessarily while watching a TV show or movie, because in TV shows and movies, it's pretty clear that there is an actor playing a character and that most of the time what's happening on screen doesn't represent anyone's real life. I just mentioned soap operas. Consider the difference between soap operas and a show like Game of Thrones. In Game of Thrones, you have actors playing characters in a different time, in a different realm, in situations that could absolutely never happen to you. You never actually think that the guy playing Jon Snow would be like Jon Snow and have Jon Snow's life in his own real life. But with soap operas that women watch every day, 
they have that emotional interaction with the characters every day. They can imagine characters in those situations because those situations are meant to portray a dramatized version of all of these people's real lives. The fact that soap operas are basically filmed and broadcast all year round only strengthens that effect because you understand that these characters are actually in real life around one another all the time. There are real life relationships between the actors, generally speaking, and the other cast members who they see on a near daily basis. It's easy to then skew that line and believe that the actors playing these characters in the soap operas are acting out some version of their real life relationship or their real life relationship will reflect what's in the show. And so you have the same effect with wrestling. Ultimately, they present shows like these are the real people. These are their real interactions. They get mad at one another and then they strip down to their underwear and go in this little square and throw each other around until one of them gets to put his belt back on. People imagine that the conflict and the anger they see exchanged on the screen is real. Wrestling itself, the sport of wrestling and professional wrestling, the way it's presented, it seems like some element of it at least absolutely has to be real. There is absolutely the potential for these guys to get injured doing what they're doing. What they're doing to one another looks like it would hurt. They go flying off turnbuckles into one another. They pretend to kick and punch each other. And sometimes they connect with some force. It's not full force. It's not a real fight. But you know that these are big, strong men and they're actually taking some hits. Some parts of it are real. The whole thing is presented in a way that makes it seem real. They're kind of playing themselves and they are having these relationships. So the kayfabe effect works for people's entertainment and people can attach themselves emotionally to those characters because they are, I guess, empathetically experiencing some of the pain that their favorite characters might be experiencing the same as you would in a very sad movie. But now you think it's really them. And the same effect has been played out to spectacular success in the last 20 years and spectacular wealth. It has created an entirely new class of celebrities, almost all of whom are the worst celebrities to ever exist in the history of famous people. And I'm talking, of course, about reality television. And we can talk about the most popular shows, the dating shows like The Bachelor, shows like Survivor, The Contests, Amazing Race, American Idol. You have the shows where you follow people around constantly and watch them live their lives like the Kardashians. And then you have less popular, more niche reality shows like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, or even the shows on like Home and Garden Television. Hey, we're going to help you redesign your house. If you just watch that show for the next two years with a likable host who makes you feel emotionally like things are getting better, it's almost the same as totally redesigning your house. But the point is that you believe it's real or mostly real or real enough while also forming an emotional connection with the character you're seeing portrayed on TV. And once you do that, 
you convince yourself you're doing it all with them. Like you're in the room with them. That person is your friend. You find them likable. You understand them as a person. You have some insight into their desires and what makes them tick. You're invested in how things are going for them. And since it seems like their lives are better and more successful and certainly much more fun than your own, you determine to aspire to be like that person. And eventually you end up with a society absolutely obsessed with fake people on television convincing them that they need to live their lives in a different way in order for them to be happy or at least as happy as those people on TV. You don't want all the drama. You don't want the divorces. You don't want all that stuff that they have to deal with. You just want their stuff. You want a little glamour in your life. Can't we all have a little glamour in our lives? And I get it. Oh boy, do I get it. I lived right in the middle of it for 18 and a half years, and it is awfully tempting. And everybody partakes sometimes. That's just how life is. No one's perfect. But you can't let it become real. You always have to understand there's an element to this that is completely and totally fake. And over the course of a couple decades of reality television now, a lot of people have forgotten about that. And it turns out that there was actually another growth of this kayfabe phenomenon in popular culture as delivered through the television. And that was the news, you know, the news where some very serious person joins you in your home every night, stares directly at you and tells you what to think about the world. This thing is scary. This is great news. What a scientific advancement we found here. Did you know that we landed this aluminum foil structure on the moon? Did you know that there is a killer on the loose and that you need to stay indoors for days on end? Do you know that your neighbor Sally was driving across the bridge when the bridge imploded? It's a crazy world out there. And we need to be told what to think by someone on television or we're not going to be able to figure it out for ourselves. But hey, we're not stupid. You can't just put a clown on television and have the clown tell us what to do and then we'll do it. Even though MSNBC's vaccine pushers extraordinaire look like Batman villains who joined Antifa. They could never just put a clown on TV and get people to do what the clown says. They could never do that. And that's why they hire a very serious person, because the very serious person is the only one who's able to tell you, a smart person, what to do from the television. And here's the thing. If you're on the television, that means you're rich and you're famous. So if you're a serious person on the television, that means you know other serious people. Because like this person on the television, serious people are rich and famous. So we're going to have the serious person on television talk to other serious people. Sometimes they'll be professors. Sometimes they'll be businessmen. Sometimes they'll be politicians. Sometimes they'll be from think tanks, and sometimes they'll be the military people. 
But sometimes the very serious people are just going to talk to normal people who made a great life out of having a great time. And those serious people are not going to tell you about serious things. They're going to tell you about things that are going to make you happier if only you believe them. And so the serious man on television has all his serious friends over. And if he's not able to tell you what to believe, they will. Any subject you want to know about, we will find you a serious person and have that person tell you what to believe. And eventually people kind of wised up to that. They realized that the one guy on television couldn't tell them everything. And even his serious friends that we meet a lot. I mean, that's still only six or seven people telling us what to believe about everything. We're going to need more people. If we're going to make it seem like a lot of people believe all this crazy shit that we're telling them every day. So then we get panel shows, six, seven, eight people just talking over one another at once. One host pointing out, Hey, uh, the one on the left, uh, second from the right. Hey, uh, third one from the left. How about the one just to the right of me? Who wants to read what's in the teleprompter? Oh, it's you, Bill. You go right ahead, Bill. Oh, oh, oh. now we have a pandemic. We're just going to have to talk to everybody on Zoom. So now you have serious people from all aspects of life, from all over the world. We have diverse serious people. We have black serious people. We have Hispanic serious people. Every race and variety of serious person we have right here. The gay ones, the straight ones, the ones that we just make something up and tell you that's what they are and you believe it. Not that you would believe a clown on the media. That's why we have serious people telling you that there's more than just men and women. We got serious people from everywhere, every variety, and we see them every day or almost every day. We check in with them like they're our friends. We just want to see what they have to say today. We feel like we know them well and we know about their lives. We feel like we know that we can trust them. I mean, they're serious people on TV. They seem to get people like me. They know that we're the smart ones. And Sean Hannity couldn't be on television for 20 years if he was lying. And just like soap operas and wrestling and reality television, we develop relationships with the people on TV. And we imagine that they're our friends. We know that no matter what, we can trust them. And the fact that they're a former CIA agent means they know what's really going on and they're telling us, which means we should trust them above everybody else. It's all so obvious, but it's all a show. And on some level, we realize that it's all a show. The news is a story about reality. It is not reality. They are telling you a story. They are telling you that story from the perspective of the biggest transnational corporations in the world and the global governing bodies who they ally with in order to create that one world global order. The corporations will provide everything the society needs. They aren't technically the government. That would be communism. They just work hand in hand with the government. And that is only the old version of fascism. 
Fascism now is what the CIA agent on TV says it is. So think about what we've got so far. We've got soap operas. We've got wrestling. We have reality television and we have the news. There is some element of kayfabe to all of these things. And we develop relationships with the people on TV. They even went extra hard on that during COVID, at least concerning the news. You'd have Chris Cuomo leading into Don Lemon and the two of them pretend like they're best friends for a minute and a half so that you don't find the transition jarring. You don't realize you're about to hear another hour of what you just listened to. If they become friends, then you feel like you're hanging out with both of them for a minute and then you're just going to talk to Don Lemon for a while. They have relationships with each other. They both have relationships with you and you have a relationship with them and they're just being who they are in real life. When they're off screen, they're exactly the same. I mean, remember when CNN followed Chris Cuomo around at home while he had COVID? Exactly the same guy as when he's on CNN News. And this is him at home. This is the real him. We always believe that these people are real. Something about their real character is represented on television. And then we form relationships with them. Let's take it another step. We see this in football, in baseball, in hockey, in professional sports that aren't wrestling. You know, the real professional sports. And for the record, I'm not saying they're not real. I'm just saying they're billion-dollar entertainment industry operations. And some of what they do is try to appeal and form connections with fans. Fans like believing that the players on the field are great people in real life, and they are similar to how you see them. The franchises have PR departments. They work hand in hand with the sports news organizations to present the athletes on the field or on the court in a certain way that is going to be appealing to fans. Fans will watch them every day. They will see that as a real person doing a thing that real people do. The sport is real. The person is real. They talk to me directly through the news. After each game, that's how I understand their personality. The news tells me what they do when they're helping out in the community or when they get in trouble with the law. I know that those are real events as well. The players are all doing the charity out of the goodness of their hearts and not because they're being incentivized to do it by the league who then films it and shows everybody how good they are, even though all of the professional sports organizations work hand in hand with the same global governing bodies and profit with the fruits of the same agenda. All of this has gotten so muddled up that we now have former professional athletes on news shows. It's been going on for a while here and there, but ever since Michael Strahan joined Kelly Ripa, it seems like we have it happening all the time. A few weeks ago, we talked about wide receiver Nate Burleson's interview of Barack Obama. That's where we are at this point. And let's think about this. So with wrestling, people understand there's a kayfabe element. They believe that that kayfabe element probably ends at some point in the ring. It can't all be fake because some of it in some sense is real. And that real part at least has to be treated as real, right? And truthfully, the answer to that is only maybe. Is someone actually severely injured? Well, then 
That's real, but it's also part of the show. The NFL, we believe or understand that the kayfabe ends from the moment they walk on the field. What happens on the field is real. And I'm still inclined to believe to some degree or other that that's largely true. But it's certainly not entirely true. There's absolutely the possibility of referees affecting the outcome of the game. And we know that that has happened in the past. There have been actual instances of this. Years ago, a referee in the NBA named Tim Donahue was convicted as a felon amid a gambling scandal. We had Pete Rose, of course, and a massive example was made of Pete Rose. Pete Rose bet on sports. Therefore, Pete Rose was banned from baseball forever, could never be in the Hall of Fame. No matter how great a superstar Pete Rose was, he could never be in the Hall of Fame because he gambled on sports and that sort of thing just isn't tolerated by the professional sports leagues. It's all real. No one's cheating. No one would ever cheat because the punishment for cheating is so severe. So it's all absolutely, completely, 100% real. The guys on the field or on the court are exactly who they are presented to be. No difference. And we're going to give you an inside view of their lives. We're going to give you reality television about sports. We're going to give you documentaries and movies about the real lives of athletes, even if they're just fictional versions of fictional athletes, real lives. And through all of this, you'll understand that all of it is real. And we do the same thing for celebrities. We do the same thing for musicians, all those entertainment people with the really fun lives. We're going to know what their real lives are. We're going to know them as real people. And then we're going to pretend to be friends with them in real life. We're going to know things about them, important things. And we're going to know that they'll care about us and would care about us if they actually knew us. As soon as that happens, we're going to see eye to eye. And the whole time we pretend this thing is mostly real. We know that some of the elements are fake, but the thing's mostly real. And therefore, it's important that we are involved supporting our favorite characters and letting them know we support them. We like having these characters in our real lives, and we want more of these characters in our lives. The only way to get that is by really, really supporting them. Now, sports have an interesting difference between the other examples that we talked about, because professional athletes are doing roughly the same exact thing they've been doing their entire lives. In fact, doing it their entire lives is what made them good enough to be professional athletes. Don Lemon has not been giving newscasts since he was a child, waiting until he could turn pro as an adult. Macho man Randy Savage did not attend college on a screaming and tackling scholarship. But hey, I guess it's fair enough to assume that soap stars and reality show stars have probably engaged in a life of causing unnecessary drama. And maybe they figured out a way to take that pro. But professional athletes have real lives where they are incredibly committed to the pursuit of athletic prowess within their given field, their given sport. And the sport itself remaining largely real, even at the professional level, 
They're just still doing the thing they have always naturally done throughout their lives. Most of them don't adopt some entirely new character to use in their professional sports career. They kind of spend their lives just going along as themselves. And then one day they're a professional athlete for doing the same thing they were already doing. Now, there's one more strange realm of kayfabe that kind of combines all of these elements. And that, of course, I think you see where I'm going, is politics. We imagine politicians as normal people who go about their normal lives and in their local communities, they see issues that need work. They see people that need help. They see their government doing a poor job of serving the community and they decide I'm going to run for office because I want to make my community better. And they do that for a little while. They understand how the whole thing works. They move up within their state. Maybe they decide to take it national and bingo, bango. One day they're a senator or one day they're running for president. It all seems real. It all seems like a natural progression for a person who is ambitious in politics or highly committed to serving a person's local community, their state or the country. All of it seems real. They go out and they make impassioned speeches where they're talking about deeply held principles and it all seems real until it doesn't. And the level of authenticity a politician is able to project is going to carry them a long way in politics. But what we see as authentic is also influenced by our culture and by the way we are told to think of a given politician by these serious people on television. It all kind of works together. There are some politicians, obviously, who aren't natural at all. They didn't follow that natural progression. They didn't have successful lives and get into public service and then see that they were good at that and people wanted to give them more power and have them hold higher office so that they could have more of an impact. That's not how things always work. People can begin volunteering in politics. They can be willing to do anything to serve a candidate. They can continue using their connections through nepotism to get better and better jobs. They could seek political office for the notoriety and be handed political office by someone who owes them a favor. And then we can see those people enter into professional politics, national politics, whatever level. We can see them mouthing someone else's agenda constantly not doing the things they said they were going to do while profiting spectacularly, maybe creating a public image for themselves, making themselves a rich and famous influencer like AOC, for instance. And people kind of have an understanding of all that, even though they pretend it's all still real. Think about what you've been told about politics throughout your life and about politicians, kind of like the whole lawyer thing. They lie, they cheat. They're going to say whatever they need to say to keep advancing, to keep accumulating power. It's what politicians do. It's who they are. They're all narcissists. They just want attention. They just want power. We know this is what they do. Both sides do it and nothing's going to change. This is how politics is. Everybody has heard someone tell them all of that at some point in their lives. I know I have. I remember people in my father's generation saying this. People in my grandfather's generation saying this, it's one of those 
timeless things that just gets passed down for years and years and years. Politicians are fake. Politicians are liars. They're just trying to advance themselves. It's one of those things that everybody knows and everybody then ignores. And most of us ignore it because we've been brainwashed. We are asleep. We don't want to engage that problem. And the reason is because these people who were saying are liars and fakes and frauds and always after their own power and their own profit. Well, these are the people who are making all the rules that govern our lives. And once those rules are in place, we being the sorts of good citizens who deserve reward, want to follow the rules. We follow the rules that are put in place by people we know are bad, we know are dishonest, we know are seeking their own power, but we follow the rules anyway because that's the kind of people we are and we don't want to get in trouble. We have our own lives to attend to. We don't want to have to fight against the rules all the time. And that's only one of the problems. We could stop following the rules and we would still have these politicians who are dishonest. They're frauds. They're only after their own power. Well, they would all still be in office unless we were going to then take the time to figure out which politicians were the good ones and which ones the bad ones were. But we don't have that kind of time. So we allow the political parties to do it for us. And then we just select R or D. We just select red or blue. And that's all we have to do. Do you like red? Do you like blue? I'm a red guy. And now that I've identified as a red guy, I sure do hate those blue guys. And we take those understandings and we go back to our normal lives. And those understandings also guide our normal lives because once we've identified as a red guy, we want to see the red guys win. And we can't be confident that the red guys are the good guys unless we can always see the blue guys being the bad guys. And so, thank goodness, we have people out there who show us that the blue guys are always the bad guys and the red guys are always the good guys. And the opposite is true, of course, too. We have plenty out there that will show us that the red guys are the bad guys all the time and that the blue guys are actually the best people who ever existed. And in fact, if we don't stop the red guys in their tracks right now, all the horrors of the past are going to come back to haunt us. We are going to embrace an entire new age of suffering if we don't end the threat of the red guys immediately. So we have the people on TV telling us what's going on in the world. The very serious people tell us these are the people making the decisions about your world. And we think about these people. We know that they are real people who came from the real public and got elected to this political office. And now they are telling us their real, sincere, genuine thoughts. They are tribunes of the people they represent. They are representing their constituents and the desires, the needs, the will of their constituents. That's what they're telling everybody. And the TV shows us them telling us all these things. We know it's real. It must be real. These are real people who had real lives. Now they're in politics for real as the result of real elections. They are representing my needs and they are influencing real events in my real life. That's why it's important. And in comparison to all other brands of kayfabe, politics actually is an important one. 
Now, we might misplace the importance, but it still has importance. To the extent we want society to remain intact and to the extent that we want to go on in a constitutional republic as our founders designed for us, then politics will have a role in our lives. So there are elements of all of this that are real and other elements that we know indisputably to be fake. Not all of these politicians are being honest. In fact, most of them aren't. And politicians, as a group of people, have a history of not being particularly honest. Everybody knows that. But rather than deeply understanding that nearly all politicians are dishonest and frauds and only seeking after their own power, we assume that it's just the ones on the other side and then maybe a few on ours, but we would certainly recognize the ones on our side who were being bad, you know, like the other side, and then we would stop listening to them. Again, people really believe this while knowing that most of it is fake. And you might be thinking, fine, but how fake is it? And the truth is, that's hard to say. Again, the lines are skewed, and that's kind of the whole point. If you think of a politician who is in Washington at the behest of massive corporations, maybe they formed relationships in a prior political job, maybe they were a professional in a given industry, and they link up with some corporate masters, and those people fund their campaign. They place political advisors around them to kind of show them the ropes. Hey, here's how politics works. Let us show you. We know this is a real thing. We know there are corporations that basically run entire states like Walmart does in Arkansas, for instance. I mean, unless Asa Hutchinson is completely kayfabe, he is in the presidential race on Walmart's behalf. So we have politicians that we know are not telling the truth and they are just enacting or helping to enact an agenda on behalf of someone else. So if they are there pretending to be representing a congressional district when what they're representing is a transnational corporation, well, then you know that congressman is not giving you an honest view of who they actually are and what their principles are. And it's possible to eventually spot these people when you realize they profess all sorts of principles when their corporate interests or their powered interests aren't directing them one way or the other. Then they can just be themselves and have principles. But they will always, when the chips are down, be working for the benefit of one group or another, one company one cultural special interest doesn't matter. They're not authentically representing themselves. And that's the point. So if you get a bunch of these people who are not authentically representing themselves and representing constituents, they're just representing companies or special interests, and you get them in power together in the same political party, and you tell them that collectively as a group, if you do things a certain way, then you all will get more powerful together. And you call that thing a political party, and then you set up another political party, well, now you've got good guys and bad guys in wrestling. 
And once you understand that dynamic exists, then you have to allow for the possibility of it in essentially every scenario, while also dealing with the idea that every scenario is real because the lines are skewed. They're blurred. It's impossible to always know. You have to think about it both ways. And I've talked about this countless times, as have some of my friends in Badlands. And you can think about what the group dynamics would be, especially when you understand the presence of the uniparty. These two sides, the good guys and the bad guys, are working together to produce the big show. They're showing you rivalries. They're showing you real animosity and hate, like they are making fun of one another's wives or diving off the turnbuckle and tackling one another. Except instead of doing that, they just mock one another's understandings about the details of issues that are mostly fictional because they're only doing it for show. They don't really have principled opinions that they're trying to convince people across America are correct. Again, not talking about all of them. I'm just talking about most of them. There may well be good people all over the government trying to make things better in their own special way. So once you know they can be faking it and they do fake it, you have to at least consider the possibility that they are faking it. And it's got to be a constant thought because they're faking it for a reason. And that reason is to trick you. The kayfabe exists to keep your attention, to keep your attention locked on what they want your attention locked on rather than doing something else. The kayfabe in professional wrestling exists so that you will come back and watch professional wrestling next week again. You have to pretend they're real people or the emotional bond that'll keep you coming back won't form. So they give you some of the fake and some of the real and you're locked in. You're paying attention. You're committed emotionally. You're committing your time. You're committing your resources. This thing is important. And as I was talking about yesterday in my discussion of Owen Benjamin worrying about hyper-demoralization as a result of people seeing Sound of Freedom, there are two ways these things can go. While they remain effective, they can lead people down very dark paths. They can make them waste their time and their energy and their money. I imagine that for people who get way too far in, it can totally dominate and destroy their emotional lives. And that's the price you'll pay for believing all of it is real in ways that it's not real. And we all have to figure out where that line is, where we match up in our understanding of a very chaotic and often entirely fake facsimile of reality. This is what we have been fed for decades now. But as I talked about yesterday, the same techniques that could lead us in can also lead us out. So then you have to think about it from the other side. What if the kayfabe could possibly be good? What if the kayfabe became at some point so obvious that everyone was forced to recognize its presence and upon recognizing its presence and seeing how crafty and subtle it can be, people become so good at recognizing it that it no longer has its function. Well, I think that may be where we're headed. Because it is becoming rather obvious and people are beginning to think of it fairly often when trying to discern how to interpret a certain situation or event. 
And so let's apply this to a situation I have discussed as potentially kayfabe plenty of times on this show. And I'm talking, of course, about the campaign of Ron DeSantis. Ever since the DeSantis shadow campaign and the DeSantis simp op launched last fall, I've tried to keep separate the candidate himself, though he is totally up for vetting and criticism. And because of what I see as his inaction related to election fraud, I believe much worse than that. But I've tried to keep him separate from the people around him and the people promoting him as a presidential candidate, whether that's the donors or the influencers or the people at Fox News and other mainstream media outlets like the Daily Wire. And this is because we have to consider kayfabe and because the line between kayfabe and reality is skewed. It's a blurry line. It can be difficult to discern. There are compelling arguments on both sides. So what's the face value? Well, face value is Ron DeSantis is running for president in a real way. Trump's talking about his campaign. The media is talking about his campaign. They're talking about fundraising numbers. They have fundraising websites and stuff. People are donating money. All of that is real. He did an announcement on Twitter spaces. He has a team of influencers and comms people making the argument for his candidacy online. That stuff's real. And there are certainly people out there who are supporters of his, some of them quite committed because they see Donald Trump as the obvious front runner. They see that Donald Trump is almost definitely going to be the nominee and they don't want to deal with another four years of Donald Trump. They told themselves that was all going to be behind them when he lost the election. And that's why most of them have helped in covering up that stolen election in 2020 and have helped in covering up stolen elections since like the one in Arizona that said Katie Hobbs beat Carrie Lake. All of that is real, whether or not Ron himself is doing kayfabe on Donald Trump's behalf. The people who hate Trump, but nonetheless still identify as Republicans who are supporting Ron DeSantis are not faking their support. That's true whether or not Ron's campaign is real relative to Trump. And let's say Ron is kayfabe. Well, then where does the kayfabe stop? Is Ron's wife, Casey DeSantis, who apparently might really be named Jill, is she part of the kayfabe? And people out there would say, yes, she is. And OK, that's fine. I'm happy to consider that because I don't know everything that's happening. They bring their kids around to events. Do the kids know it's kayfabe? I'm pretty sure they don't. But let's move outside the family. What about Christina Pushaw, who's running his whole comms thing? Or his little guy, Brian Griffin, who's also got a sock account called Max Nordau, where they all troll people and annoy people online in support of Ron DeSantis. Are they in on the kayfabe? What about all the DeSantis simps? Are they in on the kayfabe? Are they all in this info op designed and initiated by Donald Trump and the people around him? Are they doing this kayfabe in order to support Donald Trump? And I've suggested, hey, that's possible because they're so bad at supporting Ron DeSantis. It is so preposterously bad. And the campaign is such an abomination that it almost has to be fake. But how deep does that go? 
It can go all the way down the DeSantis simps. Steve Cortez could have dropped his support for Donald Trump and headed over to Team Ron just as an act of kayfabe betrayal against Donald Trump so that they could say ridiculously, look, everyone's abandoning Donald Trump. Look at Steve Cortez abandoning Donald Trump, the horror. Every bit of that could be kayfabe. And the people in the public supporting Ron DeSantis are not in on it. They're not doing kayfabe. The kayfabe can be entirely real from Trump's perspective. Trump initiating a fight with DeSantis could make DeSantis get vetted way earlier than he would have otherwise. Maybe Trump has no problem with Ron at all, even though Ron is running to get Trump out of the race and provide an opportunity for rhinos and anti-Trump people to vote for someone other than Trump, even though Trump had an election stolen from him. In any normal scenario where people are actually with it and thinking about reality, they would understand that that immediately would make Ron complicit in treason. A group of Americans worked with groups of foreigners in order to usurp the government of the United States of America. And now they are helping to ensure that the man who the government was usurped from will be finished in politics forever. Trump could be doing kayfabe and all of that could still be real and true if Ron's not in on the kayfabe. But let's say Ron's in on it. Let's say Ron and Casey are in on it. Let's say Ron and Casey and his advisors are in on it. Let's say Ron and Casey and his advisors and all of the DeSantis simps and all the influencers are in on it. When does the kayfabe stop? It certainly stops before it reaches his supporters who are following the DeSantis campaign on television and following the polls and following the conversations. And they are having arguments about Ron DeSantis versus Trump on COVID, on the COVID vaccines. They're arguing about election fraud. Many of the DeSantis supporters online hate Donald Trump. They want anybody but Trump to the exact same degree as the people I dealt with in Hollywood, even though these people call themselves Republicans. They pretend they were all warriors against COVID, even though they went along with all of COVID and said that Donald Trump was doing wrong the whole time. They believe they're the most anti-woke, even though they are woke compared to us. Are they in on the kayfabe? I would suggest they're not. Now, it's possible that all the online supporters are completely and totally fake. And the only support Ron has is from the media and various botnets. And there are no real supporters of Ron DeSantis in the world, except for the fact that I know some and I imagine, you know, some too. So we can assume that the supporters, at least most of them, do not believe that Ron DeSantis is doing kayfabe and therefore the Ron DeSantis thing is real, regardless of whether or not Ron is doing kayfabe, because there is still something that must be done in this instance, which is why the story exists. If there wasn't something to be learned from this specific story, we're being told then the kayfabe operation 
would not exist. It would not be necessary. It would not be worth anyone's time. So even under the interpretation that all of this is kayfabe, there is still a story there. There are still lessons to be learned. And what that means ultimately is that there is an argument that must be won. And I don't mean that we have a debate and someone understands that I won or my opponent won based on their opinion of what they heard and what they thought before going in. That's not winning an argument, especially not on a societal political level. Most of what we see called debate these days is two people or two parties making totally irrational and illogical fallacy laden statements to one another designed to destroy one another's character in the eyes of whoever's watching. That's not winning the argument. It's not even debate. It's just two people showing us two different versions of the central narrative. Winning the argument means we get all the way down to the roots of something, figure out what's true, and then figure out how to make sure Everybody understands it to the point where arguing for the other side is laughed at or ignored entirely. And let's think about an example. Winning the argument on the trans thing means almost everyone out there understands that there are men and there are women. And if there is ever something else naturally born, that is exceptionally rare and not an indication that we were wrong about nature. Imagine we were at a dinner party, 10 people around a table. Everybody there knows, yeah, there's only men and women. Every dinner party I've been at, there have only been men and women. Every restaurant, men and women. Every concert, men and women. Sporting event, men and women. At work, men and women. In school, men and women. Absolutely everywhere, there have always only Men, men, and women, nine people around the table know that one person says, Hey, did you know that there are actually 57 different genders and that the sex you were born as has absolutely nothing to do with which gender you feel like being? Well, in a normal situation, the other nine people would laugh or be like, Oh, come on. No, that's not it. And move on to a different subject. We shouldn't have to take the ridiculous seriously just because a bunch of communist college professors thought up reasons why it must be their way. That's the sort of situation where we can understand that the argument has been won and we're there on that issue. You would have to be in an awfully liberal crowd for anyone to actually get taken seriously after supporting a statement like that, which is not to say that groups of liberals like that don't exist. I'm just saying no one has to take them seriously. And most people understand that now, including them, which is why they only say those really dumb things in places where they can get extreme social credit for it or where no one will disagree with them. But think about that relative to Donald Trump. Are we at the point yet where nine out of 10 people at the dinner party are going to mock or ignore someone who says that Trump is racist or Trump colluded with Russia? He actually stole his own election, that Donald Trump 
is the corrupt career criminal and not Joe Biden, I would suggest we're not all the way there yet. And similarly, I don't think we've completely won the argument yet on Ron DeSantis. It doesn't matter if Ron is kayfabe or the people around him are kayfabe or all of the influence op are kayfabe because there are real supporters out there who maybe just haven't paid attention to politics. Maybe they don't like politics. Maybe they want nothing to do with politics. Maybe they're hoping that they can be left alone and their lives can once again go back to being totally devoid of politics. Now, I don't think that's a very likely future, but maybe that's what they want. And maybe they think Donald Trump is what's making it impossible for them to get that. Maybe they believe that their annoyance mounted on all of these issues. They never thought they were angry about any of this stuff before. And then just since Donald Trump came onto the scene, the anger has begun to control their lives and they blame that on Donald Trump. They think if Trump goes away, all that'll go away. Everything will be better. There are people out there like that. And those people are not fully awake, most likely. They're probably very tuned in to the mainstream media channels like Fox News and The Daily Wire. They still read mainstream media sources and they get their news fed to them through an algorithm, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or Google. The places where they find information are actually feeding them information that someone else wants them to see and they don't realize it. Now, for the most part, you would imagine these are people who have not been deeply affected in their lives over the last three years. The pandemic happened, the election fraud happened, the very violent insurrection happened, the war in Ukraine happened, and their lives have gotten continually better, continually more comfortable and more profitable. They have made more money throughout this period than they ever were before. Their lives did not have to change. Through these great concurrent crises in America, their lives remained the same. Their lives remained good. They didn't have to reassess any of their beliefs. They felt like they were mostly right the entire time. And on the things where they were wrong, they were wrong in the same way everyone else was. Therefore, relative to them, no big deal. These people probably don't believe that our elections are stolen. They don't know that. They believe our elections are free and fair. And as they maintain that foundational misunderstanding, then getting rid of Trump in their eyes seems not only sensible, but the only right thing anyone could possibly do because Trump's already lost, except none of that's true and it actually matters. And sooner or later, they need to either accept that and try to work their way back into the fold, or they can go join the Lincoln Project, attempt to remain within the party of false decorum and eventually lose everything. But if we want to land this plane as softly as we can, we want for as many people as possible to understand what is really going on and to be thinking about reality engaged with reality. It doesn't matter for these people whether or not the Ron DeSantis thing is kayfabe because they believe it's real. So the argument must be won. Now, some people's approach to this argument is to engage it on what they believe are factual grounds. They want to argue the way people have always argued online, which is to supply one another endlessly with links and sources that each side believes 
proves their case. Hey, guy, if you just read this thing, then you'll see I was right the whole time. This beautiful article from the Washington Post, this alone is going to prove to you that your deeply held belief is totally wrong. And then you'll see it my way on the good side. And the other guy sends back their own links and sources. Hey, once you read this article from Breitbart, you'll know that I was right the entire time. And congratulations, guys, on a successfully played game of links and sources. You've accomplished absolutely nothing because people don't change their beliefs that way, especially when they're asleep and indoctrinated with everything inside the central narrative. They're not just going to break out of that because you showed him an article by Kurt Schlichter in town hall. What we have in the conversation, the public conversation as it exists online are people sharing with one another some very specific details about a false reality and asserting that because they are in the position of being right about the specific details of the false reality, then they win the argument. Like if I can prove that Donald Trump wanted to keep the country locked down until the second week of June, and Ron DeSantis wanted to open the country up in the third week of May, that means Donald Trump can never, ever, ever be president again. No matter what else is going on in the world, that whole election fraud thing doesn't matter because Ron DeSantis wanted to take Florida out of lockdowns three weeks before Donald Trump wanted to take the country out of lockdowns. And of course, all that's true, even though Donald Trump couldn't actually lock down the whole country. But that argument doesn't mean anything at all. You can't convince anybody with that argument. All you can do through those kinds of arguments is try to prove that the person you're arguing with doesn't know as much as you about a subject. And that is exactly what that sort of argument is meant to prove. All it proves is one person is more committed to retrieving links from Google than the other person. That doesn't mean anything, nothing. It doesn't mean anything. You're never going to convince anybody that way because you're not even having the argument. All you're doing is playing a game of links and sources and hoping that the people online will agree that you have the better links and sources. I have said repeatedly, and I believe that I even said yesterday that my dividing line, the way I try to discern every situation is whether or not the thing in question speeds the awakening process along or it hinders the awakening process. My goal is not to make sure that Donald Trump wins a rigged election in November 2024, 16 months from now. Why in the world would that be my goal right now based on what I think accomplishing the mission actually is? People believe that electing a president is the most important part of that mission. And I'm not saying it's not important at all, but it's not the end of the mission. We don't just get to the point where Trump is back in and then everything's fine and no one has to do anything ever again because Trump's just going to fix it. He's going to take out the whole deep state all on his own. That's not how it works. And even if that was how it works, that wouldn't be the purpose 
of what we're actually experiencing right now, what all of this actually is. We have a rare historical opportunity to actually take a step forward as a society. And by stepping forward, in some ways, I really genuinely mean turning around and walking back because going back down the way you came when you ended up somewhere terrible is actually great progress. It doesn't feel like it because it requires you admitting that you were going in the wrong direction for a really long time. It feels at first like a massive defeat, which is why no one wants to encounter it. But the truth is that is the first moment of victory when you realize, oh, this is all wrong. Actually, we got to go back the way we came. And then once we get back to the beginning, we can start down the proper path. But right now we have no choice but to walk back out the same way we came in, which requires us turning around. And as soon as we turn around, that's when progress begins. That's the awakening we need across culture. And for that to happen, the argument needs to actually be won. Every time there is an argument that actually must be had and people's perceptions of Donald Trump and the effect this specific conversation is having on the perception of Donald Trump is of massive importance. Trump's numbers aren't going up as a matter of luck or coincidence. It's not random circumstance. People are actually engaging with the reality of all those candidates they fantasized about having an office. If only it was Ron DeSantis, the guy who is almost like Trump, but more polished and not quite as rude and offensive. People won't get mad and make fun of me for supporting him. That's why Ron DeSantis is the perfect candidate, just like Trump. But I don't get made fun of. That's an argument that needs to be won. And it's being won throughout this process. The DeSantis op is attacking Trump on being too much like the Democrats in his handling of COVID. And again, that's a perfect example where if this is kayfabe and the entire info op is kayfabe, I can totally see that because that is such a preposterously stupid argument that you almost have to be faking it in order to make that argument in the first place. Trump supporters aren't going to be convinced by it. And Democrats won't be convinced by it either because throughout COVID, they and the media identified Donald Trump with being too irresponsible about COVID and not taking COVID seriously enough. Now we have an argument from the Republican side saying that Donald Trump took COVID too seriously. It's not going to appeal to anyone except Trump haters who took COVID too seriously themselves, because if Trump did it even worse than them, then they weren't wrong relative to Trump and they hate Trump. So all they care about is being right relative to Trump, because that makes them right relative to Trump supporters, even though Trump supporters didn't take COVID seriously at all. And why? Because Trump gave us every single reason we needed why we didn't have to. We went and looked it up to figure out if he was right. We found out he was, and that's all there was to it. So, hey, maybe it's kayfabe because the Ron DeSantis people are actually making an incredibly convincing argument about Trump 
to the Democrats while failing to cost Trump any support. Two weeks ago, they just tried to claim that Donald Trump was woke, basically, because he was nice to Caitlyn Jenner and because he said nice things about gay people before. And that is after eight years of Trump haters hearing that Trump is a bigot. So is it real? Is it kayfabe? I don't know. There are convincing arguments to be made for both, which is why it should be observed and analyzed in both ways. But it's out there for a reason. And if you're trying to figure out how to act in relation to it, the best idea is to treat the threat part of it as real so that you are prepared for it being real in the event that it is a real threat. And naturally, that means consistently monitoring it and also understanding that it might not be a threat. The truth about whether Ron DeSantis and what's going on around him with this abomination of a campaign is real or it's kayfabe is it doesn't matter. It's real for the people supporting it. And to that extent, it must be dealt with. The argument must be won because the argument, what's being argued over at its roots is the foundational misunderstanding over who Donald Trump is and what he represents. It's important that a consensus forms around a real world truth on that. When people are awake and understand what's been done, when we're all the way back down that path, when it comes to at least this political element, Donald Trump is going to be a unifying figure, not a divisive figure, because people will see him as a catalyst of this awakening, as so many awakened people, including myself, by the way, do see him. Trump is what allowed most people to understand that their culture was lying to them to the extent that it is that they could be lied to about pandemics and stolen elections and wars. That's going to be Trump's legacy, and that is something that people will be happy to rally around eventually. And we need to get to that point because once we're at that point, then solving the day-to-day problems becomes much easier because we're not locked in that left-right, Republican-Democrat, red-blue dichotomy. We're not locked into rooting for the good guys and the bad guys in a totally false reality. Politics are kayfabe, but that doesn't mean that all politics have to only be kayfabe to the point where no one has their needs, their desires, their will represented by the people they believe they elected to represent them. And it's possible that the only way to get out of it is with a little kayfabe. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!